Today's episode of The Shamrock is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna, remotely, of course. Um, Matt, how are you uh, holding up in these crazy no spring football or any sports times? Uh, we're, we're holding up all right. I mean, I think our kid's at like the perfect age where she doesn't know what's going on and we don't have to homeschool her. So like that has become a, a, a nice distraction for mom and dad more than, than a nuisance, if you will. So I think we're really lucky in that regard. And I mean, we're, we're doing all right. I mean, it's a nice day outside now. We'll go for a walk later around the neighborhood, run into a former Notre Dame uh, beat comrade and current athletic uh, college basketball writer Brian Hamilton and his, his family the other night. Uh, as we were out for a for a stroll around the block, um, we're hanging in there though. I mean, you know, as a New Yorker and with family out there, which thankfully is all healthy and okay, um, my heart breaks for the city and for other parts of the country where uh, it just looks absolutely devastating right now. And, and by all accounts, it's just going to get worse the next week or two. But uh, you know, we're, we're we're the lucky ones, so I think we're uh, we're doing okay. How about you? Yes, I mean South Bend is it's pretty easy to be socially distanced in South Bend when Notre Dame is not in session um at least like normally in normal times. So it's been all right. You know, I've I've done the cliche things of watching Ozark and learning how to make sourdough bread, which I think is like Finally, two 40, by two, the way, 42-year-old white guy things to do. Um <laughs> yeah, but you know, and then just sort of trying to stay on top of Notre Dame stuff, it's um I think Brian Kelly and Jack Swarbrick have been sort of doing a little more national media rounds. I think they'll do some more local stuff this week, but, um, you know, probably more than a lot of schools. Um, and I think that Notre Dame in some ways, I don't know if you sense this as well, kind of got to a place this week and be like, all right, well, this is the new normal. Let's deal with it. Um, after spending, you know, the first couple of weeks, you know, quite understandably figuring out, okay, how do we even make this work? Um, it seems like things have kind of settled into like, okay, we're doing the remote learning. This is how um, you know strength training is going to go. Matt Bayless is going to speak to some reporters this week, including myself. Uh, I'll be curious to talk to him a little bit more about like, okay, how how does this work again? Because um, everyone sort of has a different setup happening. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Notre Dame is kind of you know the fact that Jack Swarbrick was on the Paul Feinbaum show, and that's something that would be totally normal all of a sudden is uh, it's a little bit bizarre that the AD from Notre Dame would go into the belly of the beast with Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, that was uh, pleasantly surprising to hear. And, and I think Brian Kelly, uh, some of his national uh, interviews, and I think he was on a local radio station there as well, has been uh, pretty practical. And I don't know if inspiring is the right word, but like I think he's he's been positive without being over the top and dismissive of what this country is going through right now. I think he wants everyone to kind of, you know, not get ahead of themselves, but just think, all right, what's the situation here? What's realistic Let's not go ahead and cancel everything or proceed as business as usual just yet because this is such a fluid situation. Um, now, I would contrast that a little bit with Mike Bray, who spoke to CBS Sports, I think, last week and 
had some comments that uh, from the basketball side of things, we're, we're not all that optimistic, which uh, if you're doing the math and the calendars in your head means it's even worse off for football. But, I mean, he spoke to CBS Sports and he said, quote, I'm almost thinking I'm not going to see my guys until Labor Day weekend. Are we playing less basketball next year? Are we sta- starting later on December 1st, January 1st? It's all on the table, end quote. And another one he added, which was, quote, the biggest concern in our AD voice in an email is the financial impact on the athletic department is going to be massive. And how do we handle our budget using the private plane to recruit the power fives? I don't know about that anymore. I don't even know if we're going to be out the last 10 days. It's been a scramble mode, not day to day, hour to hour. End quote. Um, when you hear a college basketball coach saying maybe we'll start on December 1st, or January 1st, and the college football season is supposed to start in late August, and let's face it, it takes a lot more to put on a college football game and a football game in general than it does a basketball game, given the uh, the physical nature of it and the number of people involved. <laughs> that is very pessimistic, and I'm not saying it's wrong, uh, but you contrast the basketball coach in Notre Dame, his comments with those of the football coach, and uh, you know, I, I think like everyone else, it leaves us all kind of scratch our heads a little bit wondering what's what yeah i mean the the flip side is notre dame is notre dame football recruiting is is decided to turn the june 12th to june 15th right. weekend into like an official visit weekend here which is you know jack swarbrick said on Feinbaum that notre dame's first session of summer school will be remote similar to the spring semester right now that the first session ends the june 12th weekend so they're like basically pushing it as far as they can um, right. And again, you can reschedule anything. Um, well, not anything, but this definitely you can reschedule. They've had to reschedule recruiting weekends before. So Notre Dame football is eager to sort of get going. And like, I mean, I guess I would say with Bray, if he doesn't see any players till Labor Day, fine. Like that's that's no big thing for him. Um, you know that that still gives you know the basketball program a couple months to get ready for the season to start. Um, Essentially, that's like no summer school, and that's possible. I mean, that might happen. Um, but I, I can say that speaking to somebody uh, in the administration side at Notre Dame, not in the athletic department, um, there is a lot of optimism and even confidence that Notre Dame's fall semester will go on as scheduled. Um, that doesn't mean football will go on as scheduled, but in terms of the academic side and having students on campus, going to class, living in dorms, dining halls, interacting, being a lot closer than six feet apart from each other, uh, Notre Dame believes that will happen as scheduled. And to me, you cannot have a college football season unless you have college. And I don't mean Correct. remote college. I mean like in-person college. I think that that has sort of gotten lost in these timelines and what's going to happen and what's not. Because the, the whole empty stadium – but somehow college would be remote is absolutely asinine and insane to me and just irresponsible. And I, I don't think Notre Dame is going to go there. I, and I, I think college ADs are, are sort of getting out and f- starting to at least get out in front of that a little bit and be like, hey, you know, the athletic department is, is not completely separate from the academic body of the university at large. And certainly at Notre Dame, that's true way more than most places. But you can't have college football without college. And that's, uh, I don't think that, um, I think college football will, will come around to that pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald, similar situation, right? Northwestern Air Dame. He said on Sirius yeah. XM this morning, a minimum of six weeks will give us a chance to get ready for game action. What, what six weeks? Probably, you know, early July, right? I would think. Um, late, middle July, maybe. I, I'm just curious, like, how, if and when the all clear comes, like, 
How's that work? Who's making this call? There's no czar of college football, as, as Tim Brandon. Yeah, that's a question I want to ask Warburg. Like, I mean, let's say Indiana's great, uh, Illinois is great, you know, Texas is great, California's great. All these states are, are clear. New York's a mess. Are you really going to? Is the NCAA or the conference commissioners or whomever's making this decision say, "All right, everything's great. You just can't recruit in New York and Syracuse. You got to start later." Like, I, I just don't know how this thing is going to unfold because, I mean, we've already seen, not to take this conversation in another realm, but we've seen the divide between state and federal politics on this thing. Um, how does that come together, if you will, when we get back into some semblance of normalcy and we're trying to put a college football season on and some states are further ahead or behind than others? I don't know how that's going to manifest itself. And I think that's... I mean, we, we've seen so many people not be on the same page for so many little things in college athletics over the years. Um, how they all get together fair and square, if you will, and figure out a way to, to get through this thing uh, when it's appropriate is going to be a pretty fascinating thing to see unfold. I mean, I, I, I don't know how that's going to happen, when that's going to happen, uh, but most importantly, who's going to make that call because uh, I think there's still a lot of dominoes that are going to need to fall for that to even – be in consideration and when it does i mean i think that's a whole another hurdle for everyone to, to to climb yeah there's no question i mean that's one of the fascinating things about this from a athletic perspective like why what is one of the reasons we love college football is because it's so frankly dysfunctional um where right. you have a, a 130 programs making 130 decisions in their own self-interest um you know, people can't agree on how many conference games you can play, how much money you should spend on recruiting, um, you know, name, image, and likeness stuff, uh, cost of attendance. I mean, all of that, n- nobody <laughs> nobody can some, come to agree. Like, what's good for Alabama is not what's good for Notre Dame, which is not what's good for Washington, which is not what's good for Texas. But what's good for everybody is actually play a freaking game um, or 12 of them or 13 of them. So I... I I think at some point they'll, they'll figure out, okay, what's in our best interest is us to figure this out. And, I, and Swarbrick has said this repeatedly, and I think it's a mature approach. Like, I don't give a crap about competitive advantage, um, right. which is not exactly what he said, but it's what he meant. Um, now, most have said that, though. I mean, they... Yeah, I mean, and, like, how long that can keep up, um, you know, because, you know, you have situations like Alabama and the Apple Watches and things of that nature. There's... Some people will get a competitive advantage out of this, and some people won't. But ultimately, everyone loses just in a significant and colossal way if there are no games played, no tickets sold, no games on TV. So I'll be, you know, it's like, I mean, a good example of the point you're making is Indiana is is pretty well locked down. I think the state is doing okay. Not, you know, amazing, but it's doing okay. Arkansas was open for business i think up until last week um notre dame's second game of the season is arkansas are you gonna want i don't right. five thousand ten thousand people from arkansas coming to indiana i to st joe county which i think is a hundred cases total frankly at today no i would not um that so it's like what's that gonna look like in six months time or four months time i have no idea um and so that's that's why everything is fluid as much as I can look at Notre Dame's schedule and say, oh, Notre Dame plays at Georgia Tech on November 14th, which is the same weekend as the new Masters. I can get excited <laughs> about that because I need something to get excited about. Um, who knows how it's all going to shake out? I, I guess maybe that gets into another issue that 
you know, I've sort of noticed, and I think anyone who covers college football or follows college football has noticed, like you have college football coaches who are clearly not scientists. Um, they have nothing in common with Anthony Fauci at all. But, um, you know, they're talking about, hey, be positive, you know, stay with us. Or, I'm confident there's going to be a season. I have no doubt about it, so on and so forth. There clearly are a lot of doubts about how the season is going to go if it, if it goes at all. But I, I get it, and I think that the the idea that, college coaches shouldn't be optimistic um, that, you know, they need to be speaking about this as if they were scientists is a bit ridiculous. Like we all need something to hopefully look forward to whether it happens or not. So I, I'm of the mindset, like if Brian Kelly gets up there and says like, there's going to be a college football season, I'm confident Kirk Herbstreit doesn't know what he's talking about. Great. Do it. Go, go it. I would also love it if Dabo Swinney in his rant about the iPhones and putting people right. on the moon would also tell people to stay inside and sort of shelter in place because ultimately, whether it's a football season or not, is going to have a lot to do with how we as a society handle what's going on right now. And that's just to sort of like hit pause on everything. Yeah, I just I think everything's been so extreme anytime a lot of these guys talk, which is why I've like appreciated Brian Kelly's like comments when he has spoken it it's been positive but it hasn't been naive i mean i think too many times we've heard either kirk herbstreet with doom and gloom which you know whether he's right or wrong i don't know i'm not here to debate it or to call him out but uh then the opposite with dabo sweeney where it's like if you just listen to him talk you would think everything's fine and we're all gonna be fine and that couldn't be further from the truth i mean as we speak i get a new york times alert saying new york state reported 731 deaths yesterday i mean this is not fake news this is not uh, some media creation or conspiracy. This is real life stuff that is absolutely devastating a lot of communities around this country and around this nation. And I think we need to take it seriously uh, as a nation. Um, as far as football, I think there's too much money involved for there to be no season whatsoever. But I do think uh, I think it's going to happen one way or another, whether that's later in the winter or in the spring or whatever. I think eventually some abridged version of it um, is going to happen. I just think that there's too much at stake for too many people here to throw the whole thing away regardless. Now, it has been eye-opening to me to hear so many people, whether it was Jack Swarbrick, Sandy Barber, Heather Like, those are Penn State and Pittsburgh athletic directors. Uh, so many people have come out in the last week or so and said, uh, this has to be played in front of fans. We won't play without fans. Um I get the sentiment. I'm just a little surprised that like that's something that seems to be off the table right now. Uh, I was too. That that might be the well, old, I mean, only option. Like I feel like it's early to, to declare that. Yeah, and Swar- I mean Swarbrick had said like he could season see the season starting without fans, but probably not ending that way. Um, I guess we'll see how that that shakes out. Um, my my feeling is like if you're going, there can't be college football without college, um, but you could have college football without. 150,000 people coming to South Bend. Um, they did WrestleMania I mean, two nights without it, which is a sport that's entirely predicated on fan Sport? Reaction. Did you call it a, you called it a sport? Damn right I did. Kronk okay, right. won it. Kronk was there. That's another he? podcast, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, yeah, not having fans in the stands would be a huge drag. Um, but I'm with you. There's, there's just too much money on the table to say, like, because we didn't have 80,000 people we are going to forego the revenue from 2 million, 5 million, 10 million people watching this game. Um, that I, I just cannot see that happening. You mentioned um, 
the the adjusted masters uh did you get the same text i did from a friend of the pod yesterday that said uh the masters is the weekend Notre Dame plays at georgia tech i wonder if brian kelly even coaches the game <laughs> <laughs> i did not get that text uh, although when i tweeted it. out that i will my conclusion based on the scheduling that i was not going to be attending brian kelly's radio show on the thursday before the game i should have followed up with i also think brian kelly will not be attending brian kelly's radio show the thursday before that game <laughs> Well, they, they only missed the Ryder Cup in Wisconsin, I think, by a week, too, although that's close enough where you can oh, drive over. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I'd say Notre Dame, <laughs> Brian Kelly's probably like, can we do our walkthrough on the 18th fairway? Is that all right? Um, you know, in lieu of finding a, a, uh, a high school football stadium, can we just do it on the grounds in Augusta? Um, yeah, it's Chip just, Long I mean, might even show up out of nowhere for that one. Yeah, because uh, Tennessee is at Georgia that weekend. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Wow. I just meant because they played uh, Augusta together when they made the playoff. But. Yeah, no. He, he will be in the region uh, <laughs> as, that, as that game weekend is happening. One big happy you know, family. Wow. It would, be, uh, it would be something to watch. Maybe we can do, uh, do a, a two-for-all uh, if we can get the games to start at noon. Somebody starts at noon and somebody starts at 8 p.m. I could probably cover both games. Um, <laughs> that would be a good time. I'd love to see the Georgia crowd when it's like a little less hospitable towards Notre Dame and a little more hostile towards the Tennessee. I think that would be a good, a good contrast to the experience last year that I had. Um, That sounds about right. By by the way, we talked about random things. Uh, You mentioned Ozark, which thank you. Thank you for finally joining the bandwagon. Did you watch Tiger King? I have not. Um, I want to watch all of Ozark first Okay. I don't. We did the opposite since it's Tiger King start. Well, uh, well, you just start Ozark from the beginning, right? Right. So I just okay, finished okay. season one last weekend, gotcha. uh, and gotcha. I right. I watched the first episode of season two last night. And there's also this um, this documentary. As if you're hungry for live sports or the a ruse of live sports, as you're watching <laughs> WrestleMania, I guess. I don't know what the hell that's. About. I didn't watch but it. I'm just saying they there did is, it without. There, oh, okay, all right. There's a documentary uh, on Netflix called Sunderland Till I Die, and if you're an EPL or just like a European soccer fan, it is, I think, one of the great all-time sports documentaries because it is. You watch it, and you immediately come away. Who the hell greenlit this? Because um, the behind the scenes. Uh, access that they have is incredible. It is purely, and I, I use the term tragedy in a sports way only here. It is a sporting tragedy that you are watching unfold. Um, you, It's like, this is a complete train wreck and you start as the engineer climbs into the engine at the beginning of the series. Um, season two just came out, I think over the weekend. I would give it high, high marks. Um, start with season one. It is it is everything anguishy and angsty about sports that we love uh, on the flip side of the glory and fame and all that good stuff. Hmm. It's it it's just incredible. Um, it, it'll definitely give some insight on, but like, oh, this is why soccer is so important to people uh, in England because hmm. it's it's wrapped up in the identity of the town and the city. So. That would, that would be my other Netflix documentary, and I, I would I will definitely be watching that before I watch whatever the hell Tiger King is. Um, I can't say that. <laughs> well, I, Tiger, I'll say it. Tiger King. It's only like seven episodes. It's it's a very quick viewing. Like uh, my wife and I can't get through anything without either falling asleep or getting distracted by something. We watch it very very quickly. Uh, I did watch it. Uh, we had already watched first two seasons of Ozark, so we we binged Tiger King before season three. 
of Ozark came back. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. It takes place 50 miles away from Norman, Oklahoma, and I'm thinking this is really going to hurt the Sooners. And yet, everyone in there is wearing University of Texas hats, so maybe it just hurts hmm. the Big 12 altogether. I don't know. I also think Tom Brady may have had second thoughts about going to Tampa when he sees some of the the stuff going on in the Rival Zoo uh, in Tampa there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's everything you kind of love and hate about America in this seven <laughs> episodes. That's just like <laughs> a hot mess. And there's another one coming. So. Um, it's it's something. Um, it, it's it, it's very hard to, to describe. I just so many people were talking about it. I thought, yeah, let's just dive right in, and it was just like, oh, okay, these people exist among us. Okay, that's good to know. I'll, I'll file I'll file that away after I'm done with the last two seasons of Ozark and then the second season of Sunderland Till I Die. So it's a. Uh, I think we're in this for long haul, Matt. Um, I think I'll, <laughs> I'm going to have plenty of time to watch other things that I normally would not. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of trying the long haul and being uh, sort of creative and finding interesting people among us, I did the uh, Notre Dame fan survey, which has been, I think, a hit in the college football space uh, on The Athletic. Uh, put up the survey yesterday, or last week. The results published yesterday. Uh, it was 20 questions, which some of it was recruiting. Some of it was uh, Brian Kelly. Some of it was the state of the program. Uh, and I asked for people's uh, kind of personal anecdotes of you know how you became a Notre Dame fan in the first place uh, of the 20 questions some ultimately surprised me in the results some most confirmed what I already thought uh, what was most interesting to you from those 20 questions so I actually did fill this out at least the the multiple choice parts uh, of it last week and I gotta say I, I was surprised how like aligned I was with the Notre Dame fan, if you will. I mean, the first eight questions, uh, completely agree. Those are all the same things I voted for. Completely agreed with all of them. Uh, 14 through 17, I also completely agreed with. I, I withheld from some of the, the ticket prices and the games and things of that nature just because, like, that's not my forte, and I'm, I'm speaking about it from a pretty privileged position, so I don't think my perspective ultimately matters on that. A free that credential much, but, is what you would pay. Uh, Exactly, exactly. Um, I wrote in Luke Fickle for who oh. should replace. Uh, that was one of my surprises. Ryan Kelly. I was surprised you didn't have him up there, like as a choice, because I just feel like yeah, he's, like, it's like the next hot name. I should have. Um, I didn't have. I, I don't think I had PJ Fleck as a choice either. He had the most write-in votes. Um, I. I'm not surprised so was, Clark was number one. Just because I, I think I was a little surprised he beat Urban Meyer. Um, cause that just sounds w- strange to say out loud. It does, but um, urban's so divisive that like, yeah, it's either fair. he's first or last. I mean, I don't, I- I'm not surprised Clark Lee in an Notre Dame fan survey finished one. I mean, when Mike Elson interviewed for Bowling Green last year, I had a lot of fans tweeting at me. Why would he do that? He's going to succeed Brian Kelly. And it's like, I, I still, I mean, Mike Elson, Clark Lee has a better chance of doing that than Mike Elson does, but I, I still have a hard time seeing barring like a mid season disaster or firing or, or, or you know, uh, insurance plan. I have a hard time seeing it not being an outside hire. The guy that I had coach experience. I wanted to put on there and didn't. I screwed up this question because I, I should have had Fleck on there. I should have had Fickle. But the guy that I had written in as, as an inclusion was John Harbaugh. Uh, and yeah, that's getting, one. I'm. I, he ended up getting 13 votes, um, which I thought was kind of. It's interesting. interesting. I. In 16, I think me and you talked about this. We're like, oh, maybe he could be the guy, like, if they don't rebound here in 17. But now, I don't know. I mean, this is me purely Pre-Lamar. speculating. 
I, exactly. I mean, you've got the best player in the NFL on your roster right now. You had the best record last year. I mean, you're going to be a contender for as long as that guy is healthy. That would be pretty hard to give up to, to go to a college, I think. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, another thing that su- it surprised me and, and it didn't um, was, uh, I guess, maybe the ticket prices, how, how much people were willing to pay for Clemson. Um, you know, it's... It, I've had some conversations with people at Notre Dame about ticket pricing, and my theory was basically you could charge a lot more for the A-list game, but probably right. need to charge less for the C-list game. Um, and the votes really bared that out. Um, I guess I was I was sort of interested that basically seventy five percent of fans would be willing to pay more than face value, um, which is already high for that for a two hundred fifty dollar well, ticket. So many here's willing the to other five. Th- Here's the other thing. I mean, it's a Notre Dame fan survey, so I assume most people filling this out are Notre Dame fans. But when you got a blue blood like Clemson coming for the first time, I don't think ever, but first time in anyone's lifetime, I mean, those are the people who are going to really pay through the roof because this is a once-in-a-lifetime or first-in-a-lifetime experience for them. And I think that also would inflate that number a little bit, much the case. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't think any Clemson fans filled out this survey. Um, Right. You know, they've... They're they're probably willing to pay, and then like the fact that maybe maybe like, Timberay, <laughs> yeah Timberay. I think he will also be on a free credential. Um, <laughs> you know the fact that the Western Michigan half the people would rather just skip it. Like you couldn't get them to go for zero dollars um, as far as the ticket, probably because there are parking costs and concession costs, mm-hmm. and it's a long day. But just the fact that people would be like, you know what, I'll just sit that one out. I I'd rather turn down a free ticket. Um, which is, I think, a bit a bit alarming. The Western Michigan game is early in the well, season. It's, it's so early it's not, season, right? I could get it's it. Not in one November of those November when, like, ugh, right? I can't. Yeah, um, you know the it's Navy nice BC day. in November games. You would think yeah, it would nice be good. Day, tailgate. I, yeah, I agree too. The one that really surprised me, actually, more than anything else, I think, is number ten. Right, the game day experience uh, at Notre Dame Stadium. I'm surprised. Excellent. Uh, ruled out. Uh, one out. A little bit. Uh, just because. I mean, well, one, usually on surveys, most people complain than they do um, praise. I think that's just human nature. And two, I mean, nothing against the game day experience in Notre Dame Stadium, but, I mean, we hear a lot of the same complaints. Um, and I think we get into that number 11 here where I don't think there's any wrong answer because it's all about personal preference and all those um, have a lot of truth to, to – all those choices have – I think uh, a lot of things they can improve on. So I, I, I'm just surprised that if it's the game day experience is excellent, then you'd think, you know, conversely, you wouldn't just give away a ticket for free at Western Michigan. You know what I mean? Like I just mm-hmm. didn't all add up to yeah, me that's in, a good in point. that regard. Um, yeah, you think you I mean, just want to be there. It is a great game day experience, but like everything else, I think it can improve, um, which is why I'm surprised that, um, especially the at a, at a fan bases. Uh, spread out nationally and as uh, vocal as Notre Dame's that they came together for the most part and said it was excellent. Yeah. And if you could add uh, beer, wine, or booze to it, then it would be off the charts, it sounds like. Um, Well, and it ranked five. I mean, it literally went like, it wasn't a divisive question. I mean, excellent beat out good, which beat out fair, which beat out below average, which beat out poor. It wasn't like, well, 40% say excellent, but 20% say poor. No, like... Everyone seems to love it, which is great, I think, if you're Notre Dame. I'm just a little surprised considering all the changes that have happened to that stadium over the years. Uh, all the initial kind of tisk-tisks when they announced a Jumbotron, field turf, uh, a logo at midfield, you name it. All the complaints you hear about the ushers and the lack of enthusiasm outside the student mm-hmm. section. Um, I was pleasantly surprised to see everyone kind of agree that this is a really good experience. 
What about um, you're not a Notre Dame historian and don't play one on this podcast, but <laughs> the who is your favorite all-time Notre Dame player? Surprised me less that Brady Quinn was number one. Um, because I think that there's a section of the fan base who's probably reading The Athletic who's maybe a little bit younger, and there was some pent-up demand for a great Notre Dame player between 1994 and 2005, and Quinn was the guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think the, for a lot of people, the 2005-2006 the teams, 2005 in particular, uh, is right. kind of one of their favorite Notre Dame teams. I was shocked that basically like Tim Brown, the last Heisman Trophy winner, was barely mentioned at all in the votes um you know he was i think he was below he was below jalen smith below golden tape below tom zibikowski um you know i think he was you know jeff samarja was double manti teo i thought sort of below the top rungs and quinn rocket montana i get it you know one two three um you know, there wasn't a lot of like super historical. I was a big fan of George Gipp, or I really like Johnny. Was Lee there Gatt. any Rudy's? No, there was zero Rudy's. He didn't <laughs> pop up at all. He didn't um, vote himself in. I'm shocked. Yeah, I, know. I think Joe Schmidt would have logged on and voted for Rudy. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, I guess, I was just sort of surprised about the how the Holtz era players broke down because um, it Rocket crushed everybody from that era. Uh, and right. there, there really wasn't anybody even was other than Jerome Bettis that sort of like was well represented from that group. Well, you'd think even like a Tony Rice or Chris Orich who are still very visible around there, or even an Aaron Taylor who's visible on TV and, and, and back often enough. Uh, I'm surprised they weren't up there. But Tim Brown's a very good point. I mean, the last Heisman Trophy winner, he's around a lot. I mean, funny story. I was I ended up on a golf cart with him from the credential pickup to a tailgate. Uh, during, I want to say, the Virginia game this year. And everyone's stopping him to say hey to Tim Brown. And Tim Brown sees someone wearing a T-shirt that said Tim Brown for Heisman and said, nice shirt. And the guy said, thanks. And he didn't look up. And Tim said, no, nice shirt. And the guy looks up and he says, oh, my God. And he says, let me get a selfie. Uh, So that must have been a thrill for that fan. I'm surprised. (laughs) I mean, from that first-person experience of everyone stopping him on a golf cart to take a picture that he and, you know, his credentials both in college and the NFL – that he's not higher on here. Brady Quinn makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, as you were describing why you think he's number one, that makes sense to me. I mean, I got into college, I'm 31, I got into college football right around the time that he was helping to, you know, supposedly resurrect Notre Dame and they were a top 10 team playing in big games and he was going to New York as a Heisman finalist. I mean, that was the player, as you said, who kind of bridged the gap between was probably about a decade or so of, 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 really down times for Notre Dame football. He was the guy that everyone could look up to. And, and you know, he's even, I wouldn't say more visible, but he's still very visible now in his role mm-hmm. as a comfortable analyst. So that that's not surprising. Uh, Montana's not surprising. Bettis a little surprising. I mean, I just think not that he didn't have a great Notre Dame career, but some of those guys that I, I associated more with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know that's maybe not right, but some of these guys you just associate more with, um, I think they're pro careers and you do their college careers. Yeah. I mean, Montana um, is the same way. He is, but I think there's still like the chicken soup, the legacy. There's still that. He still has like these, these indelible nerdy moments that live on 40 something years later that I'm not sure is quite there with Jerome Bettis. Is, is oh yeah. As no is question. With this generation. Um, but yeah, Tim Brown's a real head scratcher. I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, what about your favorite, player of the brian kelly era i i thought that manti tay would run away with this um i did too and J- jalen smith kind of smoked him um you know beat him by 200 
20 votes um, among 1,800. So it was a, a 12 a 12 point margin, which is which was huge uh, in this gap. I I guess Jalen Smith, I you know obviously he's an incredible athlete and super talented and athletic, but I you know Manti Teo had moments. Uh, Quentin Nelson had moments. Jalen Smith, I'm not sure really did, but he was yeah. He that, was number that, one. Uh... I'm surprised Teo didn't lap the field with this one, just given his on-field significance to the program. The way he committed, the way he stayed, the way he helped lift them to the title game when no one saw it coming, um, that one really surprised me. Uh, I'm surprised Mike McGlinchey wasn't up there. Um, you know, he got debate. some votes, um, but it was it was less – it was in the single digits. Um, I just feel like as a two-time captain and like the ultimate spokesman for the team, I mean, nothing against Quinn and Nelson. Like they were both tremendous players, and obviously we're top yeah. ten or top fifteen picks. I just felt like Mike McGlinchey was much more visible around Notre Dame, and you know, really took on that ambassador role, if you will, for the program. That I'm surprised that the fans didn't kind of reciprocate that, at least in the voting here. Um, who was it? There are a couple of guys that I I thought would you know I feel like Matthias Farley, just a fifth year guy who was always around, who was a captain. He got a couple of votes. Uh, did he get a couple? Okay. Um, I mean, they're, they're, uh, these ones are always intriguing to me because there's obviously no right answer, and it's interesting to see who the fans identify with the most. And yeah, because uh, I mean, the nature of the surveys is like you sort of view the the players that I put out uh, are one group, and then like kind of who won the write in votes, um, you know, and I'd, I'm pretty sure it was Tommy Reese at 16 votes. Um, wow, which I thought was kind of nuts. That's surprising. Dexter Williams yeah. getting seven, surprising. I mean, he had one real year there. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Brandon Wimbush and Ian Book both got four. You you would think, I guess, I mean, if you look at this, the top five, three of the five were big players on that 2015 team, which was on the Showtime series, which yeah. I think, if nothing else, helped identify these guys as humans to a wider portion of the fan base, and therefore they develop a like or a dislike for them. Sorry, Joe Schmidt, I don't see you on here. I thought you would be. Uh, but Sheldon Day and Jerry Tillery, maybe. You know, like they were they both the got single-digit votes. Um, yeah, there was – I didn't count up how many players actually got votes because uh, it was a little tricky because some people misspelled names, Drew Drew and Drew Tranquil. Uh, Tranquil was also spelled two ways. <laughs> TJ and threw, Tyler Jones. Yeah, yeah kind of threw off the whole uh, situation. But, uh, I mean, there, there was – I think there was more variety in terms of the write-in votes than I would have expected, um, you know, which is evidenced by the fact that you've got Kaiser got a bunch, Wimbush got a few, Book got like Wimbush got fewer than Kaiser, Book obviously got fewer than Kaiser, but Reese got more than all of them. Um, Golson part got of that's got to be coaching too, though. Like he's been there now eight of Brian Kelly's eleven years in one capacity. Yeah, or like well, I think that was he's, one your, of the... he's your guy. Like, yeah, they, you know, I mean, maybe. among the your favorite assistant coach, uh, I mean, Clark Lee just dominated that vote. But Reese and I thought I knew Elston would be number two, but I was surprised Reese was number three by the margin that he was. All right, uh, I thought Reese would have been one or two. I mean, he's just really he's their guy. I mean, Notre Dame fans know Tommy Reese better than they know anyone in that program, other than Brian Kelly, and probably even more so because Tommy Reese talked a lot more than Brian Kelly when he's a player. Um, I just think. You play four years as a player. You go through your ups and downs. You come back, and you're now going into your fourth year on staff, and you're going to be the offense coordinator. Um, I just think, you know, that familiarity there, um, he was in their shoes, student shoes, um, 
I just thought he would be one, if not two. Clark Lee being one makes sense. I mean, he's one of the best defense coordinators in the country. Uh, but I, I thought Reese would have been one or two. Um, and the other guy, uh, you know, that we could play revisionist history here. I think if he never got hurt, Everett Golson might have gone down. Or not Everett Golson, I'm sorry. Malik Zaire would have gone down, um, at least on the top five. I think that was a guy who had the personality that really, I think, identified with the fan base and the students. And when you see him get hurt and the way he reacted on the Showtime show, I think mm-hmm. there was a connection there that was going to be really tough to break. Um, fortunately for him, it didn't work out on the field. But I think that's a great what if as far as like Notre Dame legacy and, and fan favorite because I think he w- he was on his way to becoming one of them. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It was it was an interesting exercise to do, uh, and I, I wish that I had spring practice to write about, and I, I, this idea wouldn't have popped into my head at all, um, or the rest of our colleagues hadn't hadn't done it because there's just not a lot else going on. But uh, should have done. Who's your favorite former Notre Dame assistant coach? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, look, there's some really good ones, and there's some really bad ones. I mean, yeah, who is your least favorite Notre Dame assistant? I think I think we all know the answer on that one. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was just sort of an interesting exercise. And the in the comments, one of the readers was asking me like, "So does this change how you view the fan base a little bit?" And I think I was it it confirmed more than it challenged, um, but it did make me think. All right, may, do I listen to too much of sort of the negative social media fan reaction on Twitter than um, clearly what is a, a pretty strong and durable. Uh, group of supporters to a brand that is very strong and durable. Um, I, I guess I, I came away thinking like, huh, maybe the fan base is more positive than I gave them credit for because the people who are the most negative are the loudest. Correct. Um, that makes sense. Now, I, I got to say, you did a great job of sifting through all of the right and responses. I mean, you oh my said, god, it was! I could not believe how much time I was spending on that. I I, I apologize uh, to my editor Eric Single because I was like, I'll get this <laughs> to you, and then it was like six hours later, I'm still reading it. Um, and that was just question number twenty, where I read all fourteen. You put fifty six thousand. You put it was 56, more than fifty six thousand words. It was ridiculous. I mean, uh, but there were some really good ones. I didn't want to miss them. I mean, that's a lot of heavy lifting. I'm like, credit to you. Like, people think, like, oh, uh, uh, you know, all you have to do is put the questions up and people will answer and that writes your story. I mean, 56,000 words. I, like, I've read a book proposal before. That was 72,000 words. So it's basically a book, like, yeah. <laughs> that you read to do this this survey, which I appreciate. And some of the responses that you printed were great. There were three that really stood out to me for their, uh, their poignancy, if you will. The first one being, uh, Quote, I think loyal but self-loathing is the best way to describe my fandom. I'd hate Notre Dame too if by the grace of God I didn't go there. I was a Notre Dame undergrad during the worst stretch in program history, 07 to 11. So my bar is pretty low and I'm just happy when the players represent the university well and are out there on the field getting some exercise every Saturday, end quote. I love that one. Everything about that one just felt so like particular and uh, I I applaud that man or woman. Uh, The other one. Dad, a 43 alum, brother, a 78 alum, and I'm a 79 alum. I am fortunate to make it up from Kansas City to at least three games a year and never miss a five-year reunion. In 78, my buddies and I hauled a full keg over the stadium yes. at halftime of a game and tap drink it in the senior student section. Dean Romer was not pleased, exclamation point, end quote. Great one. I would love to get an oral history of Dean Romer kicking the people out of the stadium who this, brought a keg in. 
because that so sounds I awesome. Ed, due to I had to edit for clarity and length, the end of that submission included, if you want a photo, I have it. Um, so Ooh, maybe there could get be that a out there. history. Uh, the other one that I thought was interesting because it kind of went against the grain, and I'm curious how many responses like this you got. And I obviously see a lot of these from non-nerding fans. I think hearing it from actual fans is always enlightening and, and telling. Um, quote, I'm 26 years old from central Indiana, raised on it by my dad since I was four. It has been a pretty miserable experience with all the heartbreaking losses or blowouts and not having seen a national championship in my lifetime. Horrible losses I saw in person include 04 Pittsburgh, 06 Michigan, 07 Georgia Tech, 08 Syracuse, 09 UConn, 2010 Tulsa, 2011 USF, and 2014 Louisville. My time focus on them has dwindled through the years as it has just become less fun between all the awful losses. Players getting into trouble, and most importantly, Declan Sullivan. I find myself just not enthusiastic anymore, end quote. Uh, I'm curious how many like you got from that, like the fans who... I just think the place has lost its way off the field and like it's just not worth their time or best way more. And he, that was quite a list of uh, of losses that yeah, those losses are bad. I mean, you know, even got Northwestern in there. Um, there's a lot in there I think he missed, but there's still yeah, a lot the in there Syracuse right Connecticut ones. Uh, I mean that 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 is a tour de force of Georgia Tech 07, Syracuse 08, Connecticut 09, Tulsa 10. USF 11. Like, that is a five-year stretch. It does, of just, the Michigan 11 there wow. might be worse of all. <laughs> I I don't know. The, the Tulsa... The U.S. Man, I I would have a hard time deciding uh, which one was the worst. Um, Northwestern, the way they lost, it was bad. No, I mean, the, those Weiss-era losses when you knew it was over. Um, the Georgia Tech one in 07 was just like, wow, this entire season is a waste of everyone's time. And you knew it at <laughs> halftime of the opener was was pretty bad. Um, Connecticut was probably the most depressing one. Um, although I don't know, Syracuse is up there. Anyway, to answer your question, not a lot. Um, I wanted to break these sort of responses down into categories. And I would say if the number of, this was sort of the lapsed Catholic school fan, I still like it, but Notre Dame doesn't feel the same category. Uh, I put in five responses I probably had ten total, um, whereas yeah, I was born into I was born for this the lifelong Notre fan who didn't have a choice. I think I put in ten to twelve responses. I probably had seven hundred fifty um, to a thousand, so it was not a lot. Um, that and I think that goes to what I was saying earlier about the the reader asked me like, did you learn anything from this about the fan base? There are a lot less people that are the lapsed fans um you know that don't like brian kelly they're frustrated with the lack of big game yada yada and so forth there are there are some people out there but it's in the low single digit percentages among the total fan base and that surprised me because i i mean I, i think our interactions with fans you would think that a quarter of the fan base are sort of in the like, ah, I just, I just, it doesn't feel the same anymore. Um, you know, and maybe that's the time and the place that we're living in that, that people are looking for this connection and I get it. Um, I feel the same way about, uh, Liverpool football club. You know, that's, that's my thing. I, I sort of miss that connection with people online, um, or, or, you know, not really in person necessarily, but, you know, maybe the the time where we're forced to be apart has made people want to be together more. Uh, and I said this in in the survey, the way I put it together, I I will definitely look out at Notre Dame Stadium a lot differently next season, whenever that happens. 
um, mm-hmm. than I would have normally because it would just be like this is pretty freaking beautiful to see eighty thousand seven hundred ninety five people together, um, you know, in sort of one thing because that's you know we're all we're all sort of wanting that right now. So maybe that drove down the the laps fan. Uh, responses, but I was I was really surprised about how few of them there actually were. Yeah, I think it, like to your point, it's the perfect time to run something like this, right? Like we're, we're I think our perspective is really good right now. Like you put it in one of the comments, like if this was posted after the Michigan game, everything would be negative. Everyone would want everyone fired. They'd be done. They'd be burning their tickets. Blah blah blah. Like that's that's it. I think right now at a time and place where like all of us really, really, really miss football, regardless of what team you like or, or don't like, I think everyone's perspective is clear right now. And I think, you know, like we all are like just grasping for something positive to hold on to right now too. So I think like this was the perfect time to really, um, to really understand, you know, what keeps people coming back or leaving. Um, Cause I think everyone had a clear eyed view going into this. I mean, I think maybe that's the story down the road. Is like why the Notre Dame brand has been as durable as it has been. Because um, I mean, God knows I've covered seasons where I'm just like, this has to be the year where people like just sort of tune it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whether it's 07 or 08 or 09, um, you know, 16, 14 was really bad the way that it ended. Um, I mean, I covered the Tyrone Willingham era and the last season of Bob Davey. Um, that's just like a long time to for things to be bad um, and people to come back. But, um, you know, not to spend more time on soccer here, but like Liverpool has sort of gone through something similar where you're just like, why do people still have this be so wrapped up in their identity? And, you know, some of it is stuff that's, you know, when I, as I did sort of the survey responses, the people that mentioned family or my dad um, was two to one over – Irish Catholic or, um, you know, sort of traditional type things. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's in people's DNA right now and that you don't change that when, um, you know, the team goes eight and five or four and eight, um, you sort of stay with it. So it's, I don't know, it, it was, it was an interesting exercise, but you're right. It's like, there's, there's certainly, I, I think that the time and place that we're in right now probably influences the responses at least a little bit. I think in a good way, though, and in a clear way. And, yeah, and to yeah. your point, I mean, when it's your school, when you've gone there, I mean, there's going to be probably a connection there, good or bad, but mostly good, that, you know, it, it is hard to to shake off, if you will. Um, I mean, you talked about soccer. Uh, we're doing a My Favorite Athlete um, series this week with all of our writers. Are you writing anything of that? I don't know if we're doing it. I have not up. written. Um, I talked to my editor about it, like, I can tell you mine would be Steven Gerrard who played for Liverpool because um, it's there like, you, you know, your, your favorite athlete, especially like when you're an adult, the fact that he was somebody that drew me into what has become an obsession of mine. Um, you know, like I had agency to decide like, no, this is stupid. Like, why would I pick a new sport? Um, but that's exactly what happened. So he would he would be my guy. Are you doing one? Yeah, I am. And to your point earlier, I mean, mine will be Patrick Ewing. Now, I grew up in, okay. in New York at the height of Nick's mania which still didn't result in a championship but they came close a few times and like like you said talk about a cursed existence my first game as a fan as a six-year-old was behind the basket game 795 where ewing misses a layup uh to lose the game and yet like i was just hooked from then on and uh we talked about fans you know like you said like during the william hair the weiss era why do they hang on and like i try to like picture 
the equivalent for me, which would be the Knicks. And look, when they win, whenever they win a championship, even if that's not in my lifetime, like I'll be the first guy to go to the parade and, and celebrate and be going crazy. Uh, but I've just been so like uh, rubbed the wrong way by by James Dolan and everything he's done that like I will not pay for a ticket to go there. Now, if someone gives me a ticket to a game, I'll go. But like I just am so put off by the way they do business. And aside from the fact that it absolutely won't result in any positive results on the court because I know how this story ends, um, like I, I just will <laughs> not give the guard of my money now. Like I just at least for Knicks games, I just can't do it. Like it, that that's how that's like the connection we're talking about where. We're not talking about Notre Dame, which has been, you know, a playoff contender most years here. We're talking about a, the worst probably pro sports franchise in the last 20 years. But uh, for me personally, like, that connection will always be there. But I have a hard time, like, financially supporting it right now, given all the, the shady and dirty stuff that the people in charge of it have done. Interesting. That's, uh, I, I didn't know you felt that passionately about it. Um yeah, it's I mean one of when this my wife was talking about like what do you want to do when this like fog lifts and I was like I want to go to Liverpool. So it <laughs> the opposite. We, I will spend thousands of dollars to go watch a soccer match and you won't go back to your hometown well, to watch a basketball game. No, but, well we did have it was a very <laughs> delayed birthday gift, but we had tickets for Warriors Bucks in Milwaukee uh Ooh. the Saturday night that everything got canceled. So Hopefully we get a refund for that, but um, womp, womp. those were not, uh, yeah, those were not cheap either. But yeah, I mean, would like to go to a game or, you know, we watched uh, to go back to our, what are we doing with all this time uh, on our hands? We watched Bohemian Rhapsody the other night and we're like, oh, how was that? The last time? Uh, it was very entertaining watch. It was a little neat for like, as far as a story, like I didn't find much of a plot there, but I, I enjoyed watching it. Like I think most okay. music stories, you just feel like you're at a concert and it's just fun. So I enjoyed it, but yeah, I turned my wife over watching. And I'm like, when's the last time we went to a concert, and when are we gonna be able to do that again? Because I really want to go to one right now. Like that's the ultimate like connector in this world, music. So, yeah, um, yeah, music, sports, anything live where you're surrounded by a lot of people with a common cause, I think is uh, something we're all really missing right now. All right, well, well, perhaps we'll end on this melancholy note. Of <laughs> Wait, I, I have one. I connection. do have one sh- one shout out. Um, Upbeat only. Um, Kevin Brennan, uh, Notre Dame class of 07. He's now the director of communications for Regis High School in New York. Uh, Helped me out tremendously with a story I did on Oh, yeah, I wonder how that came to be. Uh, Well, I grew up two blocks from there, and I knew that place pretty well. Yeah, I figured you had some local um, knowledge. be there. But I emailed the the school not knowing um, who was kind of responsible for things during uh, everyone's remote learning right now. And uh, Kevin Brennan, Notre Dame, class of 07, listener of the Shamrock, reader of oh. The Athletic. And he was everything you could ask for a PR guy and then some uh, and helped me put everything together. So shout out to Kevin if you're listening. Uh, be safe in New York and uh, a great, great domer because he helped me out a lot. <laughs> Those are the best domers. Of course. Yeah. All right. Well, we will end uh, the Shamrock on that more upbeat note. Thanks, Matt. Um, We'll be back maybe not next week, but certainly the week after. I think that um, Notre Dame is going to be opening up uh, coaching staff, players for for some Zoom-based interviews coming up. So I think some legit football things will uh, be worth talking about in our next episode. So if it – Makes sense to come back next week. We will. Uh, if not, we'll be the week after that. But I uh, hope everyone is out there staying safe, staying home. And uh, 
those are kind of the, the best moves we can make as, as fans and media members to hope there's a college football season in the fall. So until our next episode of The Shamrock, I'm Pete Sampson. He's Matt Fortuna. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.